Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you are producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm super thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Ryan Blair, who is the founder and CEO of Alter Call, and he is Uh, recording from Los Angeles, and we're so, so thrilled to have him here. I'm actually just read his book. It was an older book, I guess, 2016, but still completely inspiring called Rock Bottom to Rockstar, in case you happen to be watching this on YouTube as well. Uh, Really, really thrilled. So Ryan is a serial entrepreneur and, as I mentioned, an an author, a New York Times bestselling author, Despite growing up in a kind of crazy household, um, somewhat abusive household, joining a gang, I couldn't believe this, as a teenager when I was reading this, definitely found opportunity out there and didn't allow 
the walls of society to stop him from being able to go out and achieve what he has. Companies that he has started like Sky Pipeline and Visilis, uh, really, really incredible. And then the most recent startup, AlterCall, is a coaching program that focuses on conscious leadership. So we'll learn a lot more about that. And more than anything, I just want to hear about Ryan's journey too, as I am such a big proponent of the backstories of so many founders. And I think especially people who are listening um, to this podcast know that it doesn't it's not always smooth sailing along the way. And we have to always know that we have to figure out how do we move forward and not be um, stopped by crap along the way. So welcome, Ryan. Thrilled to have you here. Thank, thank you for having me. And I appreciate the kind words and the introduction. And it's also a privilege to learn from you and to have your respective experience at this uh, table here because you've done quite a lot as well. So It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to speak to you and your audience for that matter. Thank you. Thanks so much. So take me back to like the early days of Ryan. So uh, did you always know that you were going to start companies when you grew up or what was what was life like? I mean, it sounds like it was, you know, not perfect. Yeah, well, it wasn't perfect at all. Um, You know, I was raised in a very traumatic environment. Both my mother and father had a lot of unhealed trauma. And as a result of that, I had to, you know, bear the, the, the blunt of, you know, their lives. They were addicted to alcohol and drugs. Uh, my father was very violent, violent primarily to my mother, but to me and to my brothers and sisters as well. And, and so, you know, as a young child, I, uh, although I'm the youngest of five, I'm the youngest by such an extreme that all my older brothers and siblings had already moved out. And so as a young child, I was forced into survival at a really early age. And I was forced to grow up very early. By about the time I was 13 years old, I had to flee the house. I lived in a turkey shed in a, you know, in a a bad neighborhood. And I was forced into a a gang-related activity as a result of the neighborhood that I lived in and the affiliations of some of my older siblings. So, you know, it wasn't... um, uh, an environment by design at all. And the way I like to explain it to people is, you know, I, I came into the world at a very low vibrational energy, just extremely low, very negative, very violent, always afraid for my survival. And my process of evolution has been to raise my vibration, you know, throughout this journey. That's incredible. So you touched on this, but so you were really on your own, um, f- had to sort of force to go and figure stuff out. I think that we've had a few people um, as guests on our podcast that have gone on to do, do incredible things. And I think like the difference between your story and many other people is that you decided that this was your situation, right? And that you had a choice that you were either going to have a pity party and not do it, uh, right? Or you were going to try and figure out how to get out um, and make some make it a better situation. And I think it's um, it's awesome what you've been able to accomplish. But one of the things I read is that just during that time when you were so young, you were 13, um, you know, and you sort of 
fell into a gang and and I mean that's just wild uh that you kind of learned about running a business I mean tell tell me a little bit more about that experience well the gang is just simply an illegal enterprise mm-hmm. and most people don't understand that it's got a hierarchy there's leadership now the difficulties that you have to deal with in terms of the organization of a gang are you know quite uh, violent and you're you know you're facing constant intimidation you know, threat of your life. You're worried about getting arrested. You're worried about um, rival gangs finding out where you live, targeting you and your family. You know, so there's a lot of complications to this form of entrepreneurship that don't exist in legal entrepreneurship that I... How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. 
Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. I had to learn about the hard way, but you know, I, I was an entrepreneur when I was in that gang. In fact, that's how I got involved in technology. I discovered this was in the uh, early to mid nineties. So I discovered that there was a big marketplace for stolen computers at that time. And not every household had a computer in the early nineties. And so I uh, got involved in buying stolen computers I went to a software store called Egghead Software, and I stole every book that I could on uh, computer programming and reformatting and rebuilding computers, and I rebuilt computers and sold them on the streets, and that was how I learned, you know, the fundamentals of computers, and then that would, um, you know, give me the appropriate training to then enter into the workforce at a pretty early age. So one of the things you said earlier is, like, I see all of my past experience as my advantage in any scenario, not as my disadvantage, because of what I have gone through and uh, the resilience and the survival skills and, and the nothing to lose mindset that I adopted as a result of the experiences that I had, I believe that I've been able to you know, be successful as a result of that, not in spite of that. That's incredible. So what was your first company kind of getting out of the illegal stuff? I mean, you had, you had sort of done stuff that you sound like you know, you definitely learned from some of those experiences, but you also decided, okay, we need to get on the up and up now and, and make, you know, yeah. do do business the way that is legal. Well, well, fortunately, I didn't like jail. Yeah. You know, it was the one thing that I wasn't into. I didn't enjoy it in there at all. Some people do, believe it or not. I had plenty of people I was housed with that, you know, ended up spending the rest of their lives in there. And for me, I was like, this is the last place that I want to be. So I had no choice but to reform. And I had a tough judge that told me if I didn't reform, that he was going to send me away to prison, you know, for a long time. And so I took that lesson seriously and um, made the decision I was going to reform. And then a mentor came into my life and I'm very spiritual. And so I believe that this is, 
very serendipitous that a mentor came into my life and he needed some help in computers for his real estate firm. It was, you know, a legacy real estate firm that was just advancing into things like email and, you know, and, and the internet for that matter to, you know, do their real estate business. And so I helped set up that computer operation. It was very small, like four or five people. Then got a job in a technology firm where I, I got a job in their engineering group and ended up uh, being promoted into management, running a data center and being a part of software development teams. And this was all about 20 years old. So I already had some pretty significant responsibility and I wasn't afraid of leadership. Like I wasn't afraid of leading growing men at 20 years old because I'd done that in games. So like I had no problem uh, taking charge and, and you know, leading initiatives at a young age. And so as a result of that, I, you know, I accelerated pretty quickly as in, corporate, you know, in a corporate role. And then I kind of saw how I was involved in every part of the supply chain. You know, they would bring me in to actually develop the product. They'd bring me in to sell the product to the potential clients. And it was a small company of about 80 people. And I saw that I could do pretty much every piece of the supply chain there. And that's when I decided to venture out on my own. And my first company, uh, was, you could tell I had some early gifts for marketing. It was called 24-7 Tech. And the idea of it was, if your network's a wreck, called 24-7 Tech. And yours truly would basically answer the phone and repair people's technology 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That was my initial idea, because at that time we faced the blue screen of death like every 10 minutes, it seemed like. And corporate operations were constantly disrupted as a result of computer failure and network failure, for that matter. And so that was my first venture. So I feel like you just figure stuff out. You were self-taught. You're obviously smart. And you just went and figured it out. And you also knew how to network with people, right? Yeah. So you were definitely uh, you know, able to go into companies. They would put you out there uh, to learn. I think that one of the things that I think stops us from actually being able to be successful is that we work inside of most people work inside lines, right? Like they're told, um, you know, this is what, this is how you have to do things. You have to wear a certain thing. You have to live in a certain neighborhood. You have to do all these things and you have to get an internship, whatever that is along the way. I think instead you just threw yourself in and you thought it's got to be better than where I am today. Um, I mean, yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you that my lack of education was my advantage totally. because I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know any math or any science or anything when I first started in computer science. And so I, you know, basically picked and choose what I wanted to learn. And I became obsessed about learning business. You know, this was at the beginning of the dot-com first era. And, you know, I'd read Fortune and Forbes magazine and I'd see about, you know, young prodigies starting businesses and, and, you know, I had a dream at a young age to be a successful entrepreneur. And so I consumed as many books, as many audio tapes at the time. This was prior to YouTube and so forth. And I just, um, I knew that I had a gap between where I was and where I wanted to be. But I knew that I had the ability to fill that gap. And I, I spent every minute of the day doing whatever I could to fill that gap. And I still uh, have the same approach to life, you know, today as I did when I was 20 years old. Do you feel like these companies, so you founded Sky Pipeline and Visilis as well. Did you, were you always this person who saw problems and, and, you know, and just decided, did you test the market before you actually started these companies? Or, 
It, it feels like you would no. be that. No. <laughs> interesting. You just said, this is no. great. There's going to be lots of people that are interested in this and I'm going to just go for it. Yeah. My, my intuition on if I could see myself needing the solution, then I would always just remind myself there's one, there's many. And then I would go after solving a problem. Now, in retrospect, that wasn't always the best idea because there's a lot of information that I didn't have in approaching problems that way. And so now when I look at things, I look at it a little bit differently because I have more data through my relative experience that I can, you know, look back on. But early on, I was, you know, when at, at uh, Sky Pipeline, for example, it was the, one of the first pioneers of broadband wireless internet in the California region. And I saw that I wanted broadband wireless and I couldn't get it from my local telephone company or cable company at the time. And so I thought there must be lots of people out there. And if I could solve this problem for me, I could likely solve it for many. Um, it was more complicated than that. <laughs> you know, I had to build a network and I had to scale and raise venture capital. And I was too ignorant to know how complicated the problem was. I thought I'll be bigger than AT&T. And, and then, you know, we sold for a humble $25 million because it was much more complicated. And I did not have the leadership and project management and the skills necessary to you know, build a company that was formidable in the telecom space. And so my venture capitalists, you know, they got impatient with me and we, you know, we exited the business at a pretty early, at a pretty early age. But I parlayed those skills and experiences into then starting another company that wasn't as capital intensive in the nutraceutical consumer product space and then scaled that one into a, a you know, $600 plus million annual revenue and then exited that business. And, you know, and so each time I start a business, you know, I do my best to carry with me the past experience and, the, you know, the lessons learned into the new business. And, you know, I'm on multiple iterations now and, you know, the current product that our project that I'm building now, you know, hopefully I'll be able to tell you five years from now, you know, about all the learnings I've had from, you know, the past experiences applied to the present one. I think it's, it's so interesting hearing your story. I, whenever I meet with entrepreneurs and, see plans that say, yeah, in three years, we're going to be, you know, 200 million and we're going to flip it and we're going to, you know, and it's just like, whoa, you know, it just, would you agree? They take way longer. Uh, you don't even know what the problems are going to be in front of you. And it's, uh, it's, it's great to have the vision, but I think that execution is, I always say ideas are a dime a dozen, um, but the execution and is just, it, it can, it's so key. I've been on both sides of the transaction. To your point, you know, I was a venture capitalist for a minute, very small. I had a $20 million fund that I invested in, you know, of personal capital and some of my partner's capitals. I invested in various projects. And you're absolutely right. One of the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make is, you know, they, 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 they get playing with their spreadsheets and the next thing you know, they convince themselves and others that they're going to be a $100 million company inside of, say, two or three years. Uh, and, you know, if you do have that, uh, uh, you know, that success, it comes with a whole suite of other problems. I, at Vaisalus, we went from 9 million in sales to 635 million in sales in 24 months. And, you know, you would think that is the dream. And that is the most painful process that I've ever lived through. And I would never, um, you know, go through that process again, because ultimately that limited the sustainability of the company because of the amount of pain that we went through, uh, you know, through such explosive growth. So, you know, there's, there's, there's um, a method of building a business that's conscious and sustainable that I'm really keen on now that I wasn't so much for before. Before, I think I was more competitively driven, and now I would say I'm more uh, driven to build sustainably. 
If you've been listening to The Kara Golden Show for a while, you may have heard about my book, Undaunted, which, by the way, is now a Wall Street Journal and Amazon bestseller. In Undaunted, you will learn about my journey, not only how I came up with the idea for Hint, but also the ups and downs, twists and turns along the way. I learn from stories, and I guess my own story is no exception. You will definitely hear it all in Undaunted. Listening to books is one of my favorite secrets to getting more books under my belt. I find that I can always get a bit of listening in, whether it's on my lunch break or even on a hike. Probably the thing that has made me happiest about writing this book is hearing from people, hearing how this book has helped them push through hard things that they are dealing with and try new ones. I've heard from countless people how Undaunted has helped them see that they are not alone in their difficult times, but also how pushing forward and finding a way is usually what it takes. Looking back on my stories and sharing observations about how I got through just those sticky moments might help you think about some of your own sticky situations as well. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. It's time to move past your fears and defy the doubters too. My book on Donut is available everywhere. Books are sold on Amazon and Audible as well. And shoot me a DM and tell me what you think. Back to the show. So you started your newest venture called Alter Call. Can you talk a little bit about that? What gave you the idea and why did you decide that you wanted to start this? Well, I, I took a couple of years off after uh, I went through a, a personal difficulty when I lost my mother. She um, fell down five stairs after oh, uh, relapsing from alcoholism. And for two years, she was in a coma. And uh, by the grace of God and a lot of prayer, she woke up and then she was severely handicapped for another four years from there. We're literally for every single day for the you know total of almost seven years. You know, I would wonder if today was the last day I would see my mother. I'd wonder if I'd ever be able to talk to her again. I'd wonder a lot of things. And so I had seven years of trauma and high pressure. And I had a lot of success during those seven years. You know, I published a couple of books and uh, you know, received some notoriety as a result of some business success. And, you know, I, I tried to escape reality as best I could through business. And then also through some decadent living that, uh, you know, that took its toll as well. So uh, when my mother passed away, I had what I would call an awakening. And I looked myself in the mirror and realized I was not happy with the person I was being. I have a 12-year-old son that was dealing with difficulties with regard to autism. And I realized that I was not being the father I was capable of being. And that I had to make a dramatic change to my life. So at that point, I started pursuing mindfulness and various healing modalities and going deep to know myself and to do the healing that I had never done. The traumatic upbringing that I had 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 been perfect fuel for status-seeking success because I wanted to prove to everyone that I was enough and that in spite of my lack of education or in spite of being poor, that I could be wealthy and successful and smart and all those other things. But when my mother passed away, I would have done anything just to have another minute with her. And I wasted a lot of minutes that I did have with her as a result of the lifestyle that I was living as a burning the candle on both ends entrepreneur. So it was a real um, uh, uh, dramatic awakening for the lack, you know, I, I call it a nuclear explosion. And so I took two years and did nothing but heal and, and just regroup. I resigned from boards. I exited investments. I stepped down as CEO of Vaisalus. I sold off entities. I just basically pared my lifestyle down 
I didn't respond to emails or text messages or anything for two years. And during that period of time, I decided that I was going to you know, reemerge out of the cave and mentor people and just teach them what I had learned. And I didn't realize that you know, there was a big appetite for that mentorship. So the idea of Alter Call is to help people alter their lives so that they can answer their calling. And we're innovating in technology. We're working in biometrics and we're doing some things to uh, make our coaching platform more efficient. But it's in, in nature, or in essence, I should say, it's a conscious coaching platform that's specifically working with entrepreneurs to help them you know, be able to have the energy and, uh, uh, and have the mindset and psychology necessary for them to be able to you know, make the impact that they're called to. That's incredible. And when did you actually start Alter Call? I started it right when COVID hit, which was probably not the best idea in retrospect. I, you know, I, I thought, okay, I'm ready. I've regrouped. I've, you know, I've rebuilt and reevaluated my entire life and gone back through almost every memory I could find and, you know, came up with some new principles and philosophies and, you know, really connected deeply to some values that I hadn't uh, in the past. And the moment I started the business and started hiring team members, COVID hit and pretty much everything shut down. Um, so, you know, I, I got to go through that adversity, but I was able to lean heavily on the adversity that I went through in 2008 when the recession hit and I just sold my business to a publicly traded company and I had to weather, you know, that, uh, very difficult environment. So I, you know, I was well equipped to get through COVID. Um, and so I started it two years ago, pretty much to the day, uh, right when COVID hit and we all went on lockdown and, uh, uh, you know, and, and basically I've been two years living pretty much in isolation. And I went back into isolation for two years, but this time around, you know, I, I'm blessed to have a house with uh, multiple stories. And so I set up some offices, at the bottom stories, and I could basically work, you know, at my home during COVID and, and build the, the foundation of the entity. Although uh, I really couldn't do much customer acquisition during those times, I could work on some foundational things. That's awesome. What do you think is the thing that most people get wrong about healing? what's kind of the key thing that you're seeing? Well, one, you're never healed. You know, you're always healing. Because if you're growing, and if you're an entrepreneur and you're growing, you're going to be tearing muscle, basically. And the more you grow, the more muscle you tear, and the more that you have to heal. And so you're constantly in this pattern of growing and healing. And, you know, so what I did is I looked at the process of healing and said, okay, I want to figure out that piece because I figured out growth but not healing. Um, and so I would grow and then I would, you know, sabotage my growth or I'd fall back or, you know, I, I grow in a miserable fashion and not in a, you know, focused, concentrated fashion. And so I, I developed methodologies and practices that basically enable both healing and growth simultaneously. And by healing, you have to heal your, your belief system. You have to heal your mindset. You have to heal your psychology. You have to heal relationships. You know, you have to heal all the time in order for you to step into an entrepreneur that, that, that has the capacity to run a you know, large-scale business. And that's oftentimes why many founders, you know, they, they age out of their businesses because they haven't grown and healed to a level uh, of the, the business that they built. And so mm -hmm. sometimes founders are very good at building businesses early on, and then they got to go because, you know, they're no longer at a place where they're able to, you know, continue to lead and, and, and build the business on a go-forward basis. And so... You know, most people get that wrong. They think they're already healed or they don't want to look at the things that they have to heal. And the, the method of healing that I've gone through 
is one where you look deeply at the shadow. You look deeply at the things that need to be healed. And every single day you're doing the work to heal those things. Hey, Kara here. We are thrilled you are listening with us, and I hope you're enjoying this episode. I've had the pleasure of interviewing so many amazing guests over the past few years, and there are so many more to come. I cannot wait. And my focus is on entrepreneurs and CEOs, real innovators and leaders who are making a difference. That's what I'm looking forward to bringing you. One of the reasons I enjoy interviewing many of my guests is that I get to learn We all need to hear stories that teach us to be better, inspire us, and help us get through those challenging moments. I can't remember the last time I had a guest that didn't leave me feeling like a major hurdle had been overcome. We just don't hear these stories enough. And when we do, we learn to be smarter and stronger. Don't you agree? Episodes are concise but packed with amazing info that you will surely be inspired by. Do me a favor and send me a DM and tell me what you think about each interview that you get a chance to be inspired by. And if you are so inclined, please leave one of those five-star reviews for The Kara Golden Show on one of your favorite podcast platforms as well. Reviews really, really help. Now, let's get back to this episode. So talk to me about the seven qualities of conscious team members. One, you know, you're going to have purpose. So that would be um, one of the most important qualities. You're going to be purpose and mission driven. Uh, Two, you're going to, um, you know, be excellence focused. You're going to have a level of impeccability. You're going to negotiate consciously, you know, because you're always negotiating for resources when you're a part of the team. Um, you're going to coordinate and collaborate consciously as well. There's a couple more. I, I can't really think of them right now. But in general, the qualities that, that you know, a conscious person has um, are you know, really around their growth and their mindset to constantly want to elevate the environment they're in and continue to raise their performance and raise the performance of the whole uh, and hold each other accountable to being at their higher selves at all times. And so I'm going to... Uh, middle of an experimentation of building a conscious team right now in Altercall, and I only have about 20 team members, but this is a, a new experimentation of entrepreneurship that I'm venturing into now. I feel like a lot of what you're talking about is culture, too, right? For for companies. It is also yeah, I mean, yeah. it's really, and so it's not just, I think that the thing, the more research I did on Altercall, I think it's not just about the founder and about the CEO and about leadership. I really think it's about culture, right? I I would think that heads of HR would be, you know, and even to some extent, you know, heads of culture or um, whoever is handling kind of what the, what the feel of the organization. Cause I think like part of, and I'm sure you went through this at your company with such huge growth, but I think part of what's really, really tough is as you're bringing in people and growing your team, you know, people are not necessarily coming for the purpose, right? You can start and and you can start a great idea and have, uh, and I think the more successful you are on the sales side, the more pull you have um, to get great talent in the door, but they don't necessarily care about the yeah. vision and the purpose. And I think it's really, really tough. Do you have any suggestions for people to, as they're growing their teams? Well, you have to be very intentional in who you're seeking to attract. And 
you know, you, you, although we have process when we're recruiting and running through HR, we want to make sure that that process eliminates people that are not purpose-driven. You want to find people that really have a deep, innate desire to make an impact in the world and that they see um, that, you know, their opportunity and their affiliation with your company as a way for them to fulfill that purpose and that, that impact. So you have to be intentional. You have to recruit people um, that, that, that show signs of that nature. Um, and you have to be very careful. One of the things that I mentor many entrepreneurs, because that's the primary people that I serve are entrepreneurs, is you know we, we can easily design a business that we hate, and we can do that unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So the idea of conscious uh, business and conscious leadership is to intentionally design a business that we're going to love working in that isn't going to be solely dependent on us that is going to be collaborative and the members within the company are going to be nurturers of the culture as opposed to us having to be there every step of the way for every meeting and, and uh, you know, every project. We want to build a business that is going to do great work even in our absence. And many entrepreneurs never get to that level. They, they tend to have a challenge doing that. So I would agree with you 100%. It's about culture and it's about creating a culture that's conscious because it is so easy to have unconscious behaviors rule the culture. And unconscious behaviors might be scarcity, for example, is an unconscious uh, mindset and behavior that rules cultures, status-seeking, um, you know, people that are politicking. And, um, and, and there's a lot of behaviors in the culture that if you don't have a conscious approach to it, will emerge. And part of developing cultures is to recognize those behaviors that are in alignment with your values and in alignment with your cultural mandate and to... Uh, you know, uh, correct those behaviors that are not in alignment with those and get people out as fast as you possibly can that bring behaviors to the table that are going to, um, uh, you know, affect the energy of the entire culture. And that's a mistake that I've made so many times is, you know, I've hired because I wanted to make a plan. I wanted to hit revenue numbers. And I hired because I, my board told me you got to get these hires done. And I didn't hire, you know, specifically and intentionally around culture, around values, and hire people that I would want to spend a lot of time with outside of the office. And so there's a lot of work that I've done in culture building and a lot of mentors that I've had in business that have run very large companies that I've learned, um, you know, about that with. And what I'm building at AlterCall is a, is a, you know, an experiment, as I've mentioned, of a new way of doing business, particularly uh, around coaching, around a coaching platform for entrepreneurs that embodies those virtues that I just you know, shared with you. I think it's great to, it, it seems a lot easier to grow an organization as you're describing it. What if you have an organization that you're leading and it's broken, right? And you've got these yeah. problems and it's not just one problem. It's, you know, here, here, right? And yet it's high, when it's high performing, it's even tougher, right? Yeah. I mentor a lot of entrepreneurs as well. And, you know, it's easy for me to say, well, you know, let him go and get rid of him, yeah. right? But then it's like, oh no, but he he does a lot, so we can't do that. And it's just uh, it's putting the band aid on, and I think it's it's a it's a constant problem and and dilemma. Well, that, that's where leadership comes in. You 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 want divas in your corporation. You want people that really believe in themselves, that are high performers, and you don't want to manage them out because then you'll get mediocrity. But if you do have a person that is poisoning the culture, that is breaching integrity in, in their, their way of doing business, then even at, at the risk of losing their productivity or their production, 
you know, you have to either, cur- you know, have them take corrective action or you have to get them out. Um, and that's just the nature of it. Knowing that you will attract a talented person that is both productive and matches the values of the corporation. And so we as entrepreneurs cannot operate from scarcity. We can't believe that, you know, by removing this one person that there won't be five other people that are highly qualified and capable of fulfilling their role. If we leave that person in the position, they are more damaging than if we remove them. Yes, we might take a short-term hit. And I've had the same, um, you know, uh, conversation about, you know, th- these types of employment, employee matters and HR matters. And I'll tell you where I have failed the most is when I've kept the person in for their production at the expense of the team's uh, collective consciousness. And it always comes back to haunt you and you always pay a large price for it. Uh, if not now, you pay it later. Definitely. And, and what about investors? You've, you've got investors that are sort of uh, not, not dancing in the same direction. I mean, what, how do you deal with that? You've built a lot of companies and, and uh, you've got an entrepreneur that is coming to you and uh, feeling, you know, that there's problems everywhere. What do you do? Well, you, you have to become good at negotiating conflict. And you have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourselves, you know, ask yourself, you know, how can I approach this situation coming with an intention of learning and understanding and seeking to find, you know, a way to resolve whatever conflict is in the system. When we don't resolve conflict, whether it be with our investors or our team members, is when, you know, the challenges, you know, pile up. And the process of healing is I have to heal these relationships. So if, if let's say I've miscommunicated to investor, which I have many times in my life, I have to go out there and explain to the investor that I've miscommunicated and, and you know, find you know, common ground and agree to you know, some form of a, a go-forward plan for us to have solid communication on a go-forward basis. And it's, con- it's a constant work in progress. You know, entrepreneurs are about solving problems in the marketplace, right? And in order to solve those problems in the marketplace, we have to get very good at solving internal problems because the way we solve the external problem is we solve the internal problem. And so I used to you know, dread a day filled with 25 internal problems. And now my mindset is, this is the work. Yeah. Because when I solve the internal problems, then the external problems are going to be solved in a beautiful way. But if I am neglecting the internal problems and I'm letting these internal problems pile up, then I'm never going to solve the external problem in a meaningful way. So what is the number one thing when people are coming to you with alter call, what problem do they see that they want help with? Generally, I, I deal with a lot of clients that, you know, they, they haven't figured out the cultural side of it. They're entrepreneurs that, you know, maybe they have a $30 million business or a $50 million business and they want to grow beyond that. And, and they've relied too much upon themselves. And so now they might have a little bit of money in their pocket and they're contemplating the meaning of life. Like, do I want to continue doing this? Do I want to sell the business? And I've helped a few turnarounds because I, myself, was a turnaround. And I've helped a few turnarounds, uh, you know, where an entrepreneur came back in and re-architected their business and created more meaning and more purpose around it and created it in such a way where they could enjoy their self-love time, their adventure, their travel, and still have a business that's growing and operating, you know, in in a way that, um, you know, that serves them as opposed to, you know, a business that is basically controlling them and sucking the life out of them. Uh, I help them redesign the culture of their business to, you know, to energize them and bring more life to them. And so that's my favorite client to work with. I just helped a young entrepreneur sell his business in a $75 million transaction the other day. Now I'm 
helping him think about his life as a philanthropist and think about what he's going to be doing next. He's only 30 years old, and you know, now we're you know talking to him about you know having him start his own conscious experiment in a new category that he's interested in uh, participating in. So, you know, those are my favorite businesses, but I you know I've dealt with businesses that you know are at all levels on the spectrum. I just love solving problems and if I can work with a willing participant that, you know, that is open to change, that wants to grow and is willing to, you know, to simultaneously heal and grow, then, you know, I'm on board to help them grow as much as I possibly can. That's awesome. Well, I love your commitment to helping um, because I, I really do believe that there's room for companies, services uh, that are actually have that mindfulness to them. Um, I've as you know, I founded Hint and I didn't do yeah. it to start a beverage company. I did it because I really saw this problem and I thought I could help a lot of people get healthy just by enjoying water. And definitely we've done that with that brand. Uh, but I'd love to hear a story about a challenge or maybe a failure along the way that, you know, you really hit a wall. Uh, it seems like you've solved a lot of problems along the way, but you hit a wall and what did you learn from those experiences um, that you can share with us? Well, you know, I'll tell you that I've hit more walls than, you know, than you, than I can imagine. I've hit a lot of walls. Um, I've had the privilege of having about $2 billion roll through my hands as an entrepreneur. So I've, you know, I've deployed that money in many different ways. Some of it went to return to investors. Some of it went to acquisitions and variety of different experimentation. So I, I've had a lot of failures in order to, you know, to have the success that I have had. And, you know, I, I mean, I can give you stories about PR crisis. I can give you stories about canceling an IPO. Um, I had one time where we got an ingredient wrong in a consumer product and it cost us 25 million in cash. And, you know, I learned all about supply chain as a result of that. Like literally, lighting a fire on 25 million in cash, right? And, you know, being raised poor, that's a pretty traumatic experience to think about. Like, I just set fire to 25 million. And, you know, in, in order to grow at the speed that I grew at and to scale, you know, to the extent that I did, we, we broke a lot of stuff and made a lot of mistakes. So there's been tons of it. What I chalk it up all to now is, you know, I have learned to embrace everything as an entrepreneur as, as an experiment to me. I'm no longer emotionally attached. You know, I, I attempt to do my very best in every experiment, and I, I can't say I'm not 100% emotionally attached, but I have the ability to detach emotionally and to look at the results objectively. And when I do fail, you know, I get over it pretty quick. You know, it, it's a situation where I'll stomach it, I'll uh, contemplate, examine it, think through it, and then I'll move very quickly and let it go. And I do this every single day. I used to... Uh, accumulate the burden. And then over a period of time, I had such negativity over certain subjects that I didn't even want to look at them anymore because, you know, I hadn't, I didn't develop a process for clearing the heaviness around failed endeavors and projects and relationships and so forth. And so now I do it as a daily process. I examine the prior day. I look at what I learned. What do I want to let go of? And then I move into the next day with a fresh set of eyes and a high level of positivity uh, knowing that I'm going to embrace whatever challenge comes my way during that day. And the next day I'm going to clear it and move on to the next set of challenges. 
That's such great advice. I, I love that. And uh, I, I practiced something really, really similar. You were speaking music to me for, for sure. Uh, so, well, thank you, Ryan, so much. Where do people find out more about Alter Call and, and uh, get more information about you as well? You can go to altercall.com. It's A-L-T-E-R-C-A-L-L dot C-O-M dot com. Or you can catch me on Instagram. I'm at Real Ryan Blair. And if you DM me, I'd be happy to engage with you. And I love talking with entrepreneurs and learning about you know different ideas that are out there and ways that I can serve. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to The Kara Golden Show so you're sure not to miss incredible guests like Ryan, where you can hear not only about his business, but about his journey and uh, all the the fun elements along the way and lessons learned. And definitely send in those five-star ratings. The algorithm definitely picks up on on those five-star ratings. So we would really appreciate it if you would take the time to do that. And I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you haven't already picked up a copy of my book or downloaded it on Audible, please do. It's called Undaunted. And that's my story of my life and also building Hint. And we're here every Monday, Wednesday. We're actually adding Friday now. Uh, Super, super exciting. So hopefully Everybody will continue listening and have an excellent rest of the week. Thanks again, Ryan. Thank you. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.